Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome one, welcome all. And yes, I want you to listen to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins, going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and as, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast, the podcast that covers your 2022 National Championship winning Kansas Jayhawks. I am your host, Andy Mitz. I am joined today by the one and only Steve Fetch, who helps us over on Blue Wings Rising, running to Twitter, uh, one of our analysts over there. And we are here to talk about the National Championship game that happened last night from when we were recording. Uh, it will be two days ago from when you guys are actually hearing this episode. But let me tell you. I am super excited. Been waiting for this episode for a really long time. Honestly, ever since I started the podcast, and I know that my co-host is as well. Fetch, how are you doing today? I mean, I don't even, you know, I, I'm probably the wrong person to have on here. I don't know if I have the, like, mental faculties to put into words how I feel after last night. I still don't believe it's real. Um, of all the talented teams that Kansas has had under Bill Self, you know, for this team, which I think even the the people who are, pumping them up. And I mean, I kind of considered myself an optimist about this team for most of the season. Um, you know, I think we would all have to agree that it's one of the lesser talented teams he's had. So, um, you know, for them to win a national championship and then the way that they did it last night at the biggest comeback in, in championship game history, it's, um, I mean, it's it amazing. There's no real other word that you can phrase it as, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's absolutely insanity at this point. Like the way that all of it worked out, um, I just, I was a little shocked and 
obviously the way that the game played out was a little shocking as well. I was super confident about this game, uh, you know, as they were getting going, as we were getting into the beginning. And, and they started out fantastically. I mean, you know, 7 nothing, and then it seemed like everything was going great. And then all of a sudden they couldn't hit anything. Like, no layups in the first half. Well, I, I don't want to say no because I know that they actually hit at least one, but not very good on layups in the first half. Like, I don't really know how to explain any of it other than the fact that, you know, it was it looked really bad. They were down by 15 going into halftime. And then they did exactly in this game what they did to Miami, where they just absolutely went on a tear. The big difference being, of course, that North Carolina is a better team than Miami was. Uh, and so they were able to kind of withstand a little bit of it. But Kansas still came roaring back and, and won this one in style in a way that I don't know that I was truly prepared for. No, I mean, you know, just looking up stats here, this was, uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, only the second time uh, in KU tournament history. Uh, well, since, um, you know, Sports Reference started keeping track of it, uh, that they are that they allowed 20 or more offensive rebounds. Um, this was the, uh, thankfully, the, the third worst two-point shooting percentage uh, in North Carolina tournament history, um, which Kansas, you know, needed every single one of those misses, uh, especially given all the offensive rebounds that they gave up. Um, I actually hadn't even looked at the box score since um, or, or uh, until about five minutes before we hopped on. And just looking at this, I can't believe they won the game. Um, you know, yeah, North Carolina yeah. shot 36% from two and, and 21% from three, which is obviously awful, but like, you know, 81% from the line on, on quite a few more attempts than Kansas had. You know, they made more free throws than Kansas attempted, which is something that every coach loves to see. Um, you know, Kansas turned it over uh, a little bit more than you would expect against a team that that doesn't really uh, force many turnovers. It's not like Kansas, you know, lit the nets on fire themselves. Um, again, you know, North Carolina rebounded almost half of their misses, 47% of their misses uh, they grabbed. The fact that Kansas won that game is, I, I guess I still don't really know how it happened, to be honest with you. Um, you know, masterclass from Bill Self at halftime, both in terms of the motivation um, and in terms of the adjustments, you know, kind of the, the big one that everyone's brought up that, you know, I will as well as, you know, bringing Dave out to the perimeter a little bit more offensively to, to draw Baycott out away from the rim really helped both in terms of, you know, not clogging up the paint, but also, you know, probably tiring him out a little bit as well. And, um, you know, they, they were able to get him into foul trouble. Um, they were able to get uh, Manic into a little bit of foul trouble. You know, Leaky Black had four fouls, which was nice as well. And um, I mean, just a, an amazing second half by everyone. And uh, I mean, just a, just a, a capper on, a, on an amazing season. I mean, the team defied the odds the, the, whole, the whole season, really. I mean, it looked like when, when Remy Martin went down with that injury, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you remember the quote where I said, I'd rather be an eight seed with a, a fully healthy Remy Martin than a one seed with no Remy Martin. And um, he proved me right there. I mean, he was he was amazing all March and, and again was just absolutely nails in the title game. And, um, you know, so many guys had a first half to forget, but a second half that I'm sure that they'll they'll never forget. Well, and, and luckily we got both right. We got the one seed and we got a fully healthy Remy Martin because right. I honestly don't know that if we if we don't have either of those, I'm not sure that we get to the point that we were um, just the way that they kind of faltered in the middle of the tournament with guys just not playing very well. Like you, you know, you throw in that maybe you face, you know, an Auburn around earlier or, you know, you face even potentially, 
or you get stuck in a different bracket, right? And have to play one of those other teams because you're a two instead of a one. Like, yeah, a, a lot of things could have potentially changed. I don't know if with the route that they had, you know, even though I, I still maintain that they got some matchups that were definitely difficult for what they do specifically, there's, you know, they, they, are, they were well equipped to actually be able to handle a lot of those challenges. And I think what we found out for sure on, on Monday night was just the fact that this coaching job that Bill Self did this year was absolutely phenomenal. You look at these players, yeah. you look at, you know, you look at how many times he had his best players that did not have good games and they were still able to win those games or, you know, inconsistent guys from one half to another and they were still able to find a way to do it. Yes, they had a very, you know, senior laden team. You had a lot of guys that had a lot of leadership on this team, more than just the coach. But that has to come from somewhere, right? That has to come from a guy that knows how to empower his his players to be able to take on those roles. That has to be able to give them that stability that they need, and you know, and the ability to actually understand what it is he wants them to do, so that they can be that advocate for him on the court. Uh, I believe it was C.J. Moore who was talking about, you know, kind of the the changes that he was seeing. And, and I might have I've read so many different stories today that I might be mixing some of them up, so I apologize if I am. But I believe it was his story where they were talking about, you know, this year Ochai Abaji taking that step forward. Um, you know, and like in practice, really kind of leading what was going on, helping to people to interpret what the coaches were trying to get them to do with particular plays. And like that sort of leadership ability is a huge development by these guys, but it also, you know, talks a lot of credit to the coaching staff, the ability to get those guys to where they can do that, to have the basketball IQ, the ability to relate to the other players as well, and to be able to understand and lead this team. You know, we saw the poise that this team has multiple times. Uh, you know, and, and yes, Bill Self is a is a master motivator. He knows what he needs to do for these guys. I'm going to be honest. I did not realize until the stories came out after this this championship win how much different the halftime locker room was from what we all assumed. Right? Like normally, you think about a coach, and and I always make the comment when they're like down at the half, it's like, man, I bet Bill Self was going to rip into them and at, at at halftime. And what we found out is that really that didn't happen very much this year. It was them going in. You know, the way that they were talking, the, the quiet confidence that they had, you know, the stark realization of, hey, we just need to do what we need to do. You know, no need to get worked up about it. Just get it done. And, and that's not at all what I was expecting here. Like, yeah, she can have some stern words, like talking about people, what they need to do. But didn't sound like there was a lot of fire. Like, there, it, it didn't sound like there was a lot of anger and a lot of, you know, trying to, I guess, shame people into, you know, getting done what they needed to do. It was just more of a, hey, we know you can do better. We expect better. Let's, let's go get it done. And that was a huge departure from what I expected, but it was, it was kind of refreshing to see, you know, that we're at the point now where Bill Self can do that in the locker room and get the results that he needs to get. Yeah. That's, and that's where the, you know, the veteran stuff comes in where, you know, they, they know what they need to do and stuff. I had to laugh at the, the press conference moment where, Christian Brown was talking about how Dave said, you know, at halftime, Hey, we've been, been there before and all that stuff. And, and Brown was like, well, I, you know, I don't know if you have, but I haven't and all that stuff. I thought that was pretty funny, but uh, it does sound like Dave was the, the catalyst as far as the positivity goes and stuff like that. And I mean, what a, what a tournament from him, what a final four from him. You know, I, I don't have the plus minus in front of me, but like they got killed when he was off the floor and when he was on the floor, they killed both Villanova and UNC. So um, I mean, just a, just an incredible job by him. I mean, I, I think, um, this is not to take anything away from what Ochai Abaji did all tournament, but I think Dave was probably the most outstanding player of the, of the final four and probably the tournament in general, just, you know, some of that is, is based off the fact that, you know, the, the backup bigs weren't, 
great. Whereas, you know, other wings could kind of carry the slack when Ultra was having a, a rough time of it, but um, just a, just an amazing job on, on a couple of really good opponents in the final four and, and really all tournament. And, you know, for a guy that's been, you know, I would say not unfairly criticized by the, by the fan base um, for him to show out like that in the final four and, and, and to be a guy who, you know, it, it really seems like, I mean, obviously all these guys care, but it really seems like he cares a lot about winning and, and, you know, tries a hundred percent every second that he's out there and kind of does the thing where it's like, you know, I feel like that's how hard I would want to play if I were a Kansas Jayhawk player. And I had, you know, 30 times the basketball talent that I do and, and was, you know, good enough to, right. to play for them. Like that's what I would want to do. So um, I always appreciated that about him, even when I would be frustrated with him. So really happy for him, you know, really happy for Ochai, really happy for Christian Brown. Um, you know, Dewan Harris shutting off a lot of the haters again, probably myself included, um, you know, Remy Martin coming in and, you know, never wavering from the fact like, you know, Hey, I came here to, to play in March, you know, what's happening in, in January and April, who cares? I'm here to win a national championship. And then he goes out and does it. Uh, he got the hug from Bill self, which was great to see. Um, you know, just a, just a tremendous, tremendous job by everyone. Um, I, I think, you know, this may be just the fact that it's the day after speaking, but this is probably my favorite team in Kansas history now, just the way that, you know, it's a bunch of guys who um, weren't heavily recruited. You know, they didn't have any five-star guys in the rotation. Um, tremendous development job by the staff, tremendous job by everyone on the roster, you know, working hard and improving year after year. And um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably my favorite sports team of, of all time, to be honest with you. Um, I, I will forever appreciate the, the effort that they gave and, and the, the way they were able to, you know, come back against Miami, come back in the title game. Um, just, yeah, just, just amazing job by them. Well, and, and, and I think kind of to your point, I think the reason that this team is going to be so special, you know, as you go further down is it's really hard. Like you think about, um, you know, the, the championship performance, right. For the 2018, you think of Mario Chalmers and yes, there was a bunch of other, like you remember Sharon Collins, what he did. You remember, you know, Brandon <laughs> Rush and, you know, Darrell Arthur and all of those other guys. But, and, and, but there was guys that actually stood out as like the guy that pushed them through at a particular point. The, looking at this team over the course of this season. And honestly, over the course of the last few years, none of the guys that actually won this championship are a guy you can point to as like, he was the guy. Yeah. Like, he took over this team. He himself willed this team to a victory. I mean, yes, McCormick was by far, I think the most outstanding player in, in the final four and in the national championship game. Actually, to your point, I went and looked up his plus minus. Uh, he was plus 41 in, in the last two games, <laughs> whereas Abaji was plus 19. <laughs> Like, that's just how ridiculous it was. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, you know, you know, small sample size plus minus numbers. Uh, but you know, like, uh, Harris was 20, was plus 21. So like, McCormick was the only player that was double digits in plus minus in the championship game for the Jayhawks, or at least in the positive direction. Uh, I believe it was, yeah, Remy Martin was actually minus 10 in the championship game, which I found absolutely hilarious. Um, you know, given some of the big plays that he made, but, you know, it's one of those things where, like, McCormick had a great Final Four and, and championship game. Um, you know, Abaji had a great Big 12 championship game. Like, all of these players, you can point to a small portion of the season 
um, where they were just absolutely phenomenal and by themselves willed this team to win. Oh, you know, Jalen Wilson for a three game stretch was the guy. Christian Brown, especially early in the season, was one of like the big guy that you pointed to in terms of scoring. Every single player on this team, even Mitch Lightfoot and Jalen Coleman lands, you know, the game against Iowa State, like they all had a game where they were the guy and they were able to kind of push this team. And that's one of those huge things that you don't get to see a lot of times from national championship teams because most of them have one or two guys that are the heart and soul of the team, the ones that you think about when you go back and think about this team. I'm going to have a hard time not remembering pretty much every single player on this team because they all had a moment where they were the heart and soul of the team for the year, and it all came together in the championship game. And so it's one of those things where, like, that is one of the special special things about this team is that they had so many guys that could do so many different things that all found their niche and did it really, really well and were able to pull it off in, again, the biggest comeback ever in a national title game. I don't know how long that record is going to stand. I imagine it's going to be quite a while because it's it's hard to imagine that a team can come back from 16 down, you know, and and have a game the way that Kansas did. Um, you know, th- this, there was a lot of things that really kind of came together to allow that to happen, but it was absolutely fantastic. You talked about Remy Martin. You know, I think my favorite part of the entire trophy ceremony was every single other player on the team and on the staff was, you know, turned towards the trophy. It was like all holding it up. And Remy just turns around and just starts dancing in front of it. And it's like, that's Remy, though. Like, that's what he does. You know, his quote that I think is going to end up being one of the quotes that gets attributed to this team. You know, the 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 vibes are immaculate. It's it's probably going to be remembered right after the whole, you know, load the wagons uh, quote that I honestly I would, I would, I would be shocked if that didn't, that banner didn't find its way to get up somewhere in Allen Fieldhouse, and if that didn't become a slogan for, you know, as long as Bill Self is here from this point forward. But, um, you know, it's it's definitely one of those things where, like, every single player on this team has something that you can attribute to them that makes up the character of this team that is going to allow us to remember them for a really, really long time. Yeah, you know, a couple couple things that I, you know, forgot to say, obviously, as I'm, as I'm babbling on, but how could you not after last night? Yeah. Um, every single one of Remy's threes last night, I believe gave Kansas the lead. Um, you know, that step back three with like three minutes left or whatever, I, I think is the shot that I'll probably remember most just cause it was absolutely nails. I mean, that guy has zero fear. Um, yeah. he, he will take any shot anytime anywhere um you know the the other three in the corner and then you know they had the three in the corner and then the the steal by Harris and then the end one to Wilson um in the early part of the second half there that was also a huge moment that I think you know will live on for forever and then at the end you know I I think I've seen some other people write about this but it, it really struck me that when the game was on the line much like in that Dayton game where it didn't go very well uh, they dumped it into David McCormick in the post and he made the play to win it. And then, you know, he did it again, uh, the next possession. Um, I and, mean, and actually just, that play that you're talking about, um, I, I think I, again, I don't remember exactly who it was. It might've been CJ Moore. It was someone over at the athletic. It was either CJ Moore or Eamon Brennan who was talking about that. Like it went, it was the exact same play at the end of the Dayton game as it was at yeah. the end of that, of the national yep. championship game. And the difference there was that in Dayton, Remy Martin didn't know where he's supposed to go. He did that one wrong. He brought a bunch of people over towards Dave and Dave turned it over. In this game, Martin did exactly what he was supposed to do. 
was able to clear out that space for McCormick and McCormick had the room that he needed to operate to actually get it done. So that, I mean, yeah. that's a perfect, I think, example of the growth we saw from this team, the way that they gelled and the way they were able to bring it all together. Yeah, just, I mean, amazing. And, you know, obviously, I mean, a big win uh, for Bill Self and his legacy. I mean, I think it, it already was the case, but I think he's now definitely the best coach in the history of Kansas basketball. Um, I, I would say he's a top 10 coach of all time. Um, and considering the era and stuff, I mean, you maybe even would, would put him higher than that. Um, just, I, I think, you know, I kind of mentioned this on Twitter. I think you almost have to find a way to, you know, build a practice gym and name it after him or yeah, gotta do throw, something. A stat- <laughs> throw a statue out there or do something, you know, you, you can't change the court and you can't change the arena because of who it's named after. But, um, when you're, when you're talking about Kansas basketball, like Mount Rushmore's and stuff, um, he's got to be on there, you know, uh, yeah, you just, know, it's- a, just an incredible, it's almost one of those things. I wonder if they like named the concourse after him or something like, like I've yeah. seen, play, you know, places that will do that where they just have so many people that they'd like to honor that they have to start doing that sort of thing. But you're right. He definitely deserves to go up somewhere in the building because of what he means to the school, because of what he's been able to do at the program. And like you said, and, and it's been you know, repeated all over the place. Bill Self is the only Kansas basketball coach ever to win multiple national titles while, while at the school. And so it's it's amazing what he's been able to do. The fact that it took, you know, 14 years. And I heard some other people talking about this, and, and it's definitely true. You could feel the urgency from him in this one. And he talked about it, the pressure that he's put on himself. Um, you know, and it's not just because, you know, he's a good coach at a great school and they, you know, should have won a national, a, a national championship. He's talked about all the great teams that he's had, the great situations that they've had. And, like, with all that talent, with everything that's been going their way, you know, he felt – you know, and, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that agree with him, but he felt that he should have brought home another national championship long before now. And so the fact that he finally got it, you know, especially with everything else that's going on with the program and everything that has happened for him personally this year, this is a special year for him to be able to do that. Um, I do want to talk more about his legacy and kind of some of the, the other takeaways from this, but I do need to throw it to a quick break before we do that. We will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. And we're back. Here with Steve Fetch. We are recapping a fantastic national championship for the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, before we get back into kind of the, the implications of all this, I do have to ask, did you pick up any of the championship gear yet? Not yet. Uh, certainly will be, um, kind of like waiting for everything to come out so I can, you know, try to figure out, right. um, you know, what I want and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, uh, I certainly will be, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. I was gonna say, I'm doing the kind of the same thing, kind of looking at everything. There is one thing though, that, that I definitely had to get immediately when it came out, not just because of, you know, exactly what company it is because, but it's absolutely fantastic. And that is the shirt that was put out by sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. Uh, you know, they have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies. Now they have a Kansas Jayhawk National Championship t-shirt. It looks fantastic. I absolutely love it. 
Um, I had to go order one of those right away, not just because they're a sponsor on the podcast, but because I had been looking forward to this for a really, really long time. They actually joked on Twitter when they said at halftime, you know, that they were uh, going to be releasing a shirt for whoever won the national title. And I believe it was like 10 minutes at, or like 10 minutes real time after it started when Kansas got to that media timeout. You know, they're like, man, looks like Bill Self reads our tweets, uh, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. But the shirt is fantastic. Head on over to homefieldapparel.com. If you use promo code CHOCK12, you can save 15% off your entire first order, including that fantastic national championship t-shirt. Uh, like I said, I know I'm already getting one. It's, it's going to be on the way here in just a minute. Um, maybe not literally, but as soon as possible. But again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12, gets you 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 have free shipping. And again, with a Kansas line and a Kansas national championship t-shirt, if you're a Kansas fan, I don't know how you spend less than $100. So head on over there and get all that today. All right, so this game obviously was huge. It's a great way to end the season, and I'm sure that we will talk more and more about you know this season or this team, and we'll kind of break down what's going to be happening in the next few years. But just the implications of that. You talked about how this team, or I'm sorry, Bill Self now is, um, you know, what what it does for his legacy. You know, I've heard some people kind of arguing about whether Bill Self is the best active coach that's available. I, I don't even know that there was really too much of a question before this, you know, with the exception of Coach K, because, you know, as much as I don't like the guy in Coach K because of some of the stuff he does off the court, there is no denying how good he is on the court. Um, but now that he's gone, like, I, I have a hard time making a really strong argument for anybody other than Bill Self being the best active college coach at this point. And I think that was even before the title. But now that he has a second national title, do you think it's even a question? Do you think it's even a debate? No, I don't. I mean, I, I think, you know, probably probably Jay Rice would be the other guy that comes to mind. Um, they've they've obviously been pretty good year in and year out. And um, I kind of, you know, those early tournament exits that Villanova has had, I kind of, you know, not entirely discount them, but I mean, they're just so strong in the regular season. And it seems like, you know, they make deep runs plenty enough to where you can kind of give them a pass. So he would be the other guy. And obviously, you know, the stuff he draws up is, is really impressive and they play really mistake free basketball, which I think is a, a reflection on the coach, but yeah, given what he's done, I mean, I, I think it's, it's probably bill self, um, you know, became the 15th coach ever to, to win multiple national championships um, just for, you know, just for argument's sake, you know, if, if they had won that 2020 championship that got canceled, which, you know, there's a few schools who think they would have won, but if it would have been Kansas, you know, only six coaches ever have won three or more titles. And so he would have been the seventh, which uh, is really impressive as well. And um, you know, winning the big 12, basically every year, winning the big 12 tournament, basically every year. Um, you know, I can't remember what their average seed is in the NCAA tournament, but like, you know, it's worst seed at Kansas has been a four. I mean, that's insane consistency. And um, I think he kind of gets unfairly dinged for the fact that, you know, there have been some teams in the past that talent wise are like five or six seeds um, that he, you know, just drag or, you know, two or three seeds that he makes a one seed or, you know, that year where they were a three seed and, and lost to USC last year. I mean, that's, you know, wasn't the most talented team in the world and probably shouldn't even have been a three seed. And the four seed in 2019 probably shouldn't have been a four seed. So, you know, those quote unquote early exits are, are I think him getting unfairly maligned a little bit, but just the consistency is incredible. And, you know, when you're that good, you're in and you're out, you're going to have more and more chances to make deep runs. And, um, you know, glad he finally cashed in on one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those things we've talked about it, about how incredible it is 
right, for him to get those high seeds that, you know, they have not had a seed lower than four since he's been here, if I remember correctly. I might I might be off on that. Um, I couldn't remember if, if they got a four the, his first year or not. But, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, and, and that's the other thing, too. It's been so consistent for so long that it's hard to actually remember the details, right, of the last time that Kansas was not a top four seed in in the tournament. But, you know, to get to where they are and the record that they've had under Bill Self in the tournament, to be able to do what they've been able to do is absolutely phenomenal. And you're right. He, he gets teams that I think – most other coaches, if not any other coach, would not be able to get to the seed line that he does. You know, a lot of people, I think, overlooked it now that it's kind of done and you're not talking about it anymore. But the fact that, you know, all of those straight conference titles that he won, that is a thing that is never going to be matched. Like Gonzaga potentially could do that just because of the conference they play in. But when you account for the level of the conference that he's, you know, that he's done this in, you know, I don't know that anybody's ever going to be able to do that, have that kind of dominance over a conference that has been consistently that good. You know, and it carried for a really, really long time, even as, you know, the rest of the conference got really good and got to a point where it was hard to actually win the conference so many times in a row. And we all saw, you know, how great this Big 12 conference is, the fact that they're still at the top of it or towards the top of it every single year. I mean, the Big 12 has had a Final Four representative in each of the last four uh, NCAA tournaments, you know. I mean, and, and if you think about it, like Kansas got to the Final Four, in 2018, Texas Tech got the national championship game in 2019, and then Baylor won it in 2021, and Kansas has now won it in 2022. A conference like that has been absolutely dominant in the college basketball scene, and Kansas has been by far, I think, the best team for decades. And so that is a huge accomplishment. You can attribute a lot of that to Bill Self. I mean, he he has not had a bad a bad team in the conference since he got here, which is really, really saying something. And so I think that kind of gets overlooked a little bit because most people don't care that much about conference tournaments because it's hard to be that good. And and everybody looks at the crapshoot that is the NCAA tournament. And and I think in some ways, rightly, but in other ways, unfairly, overweight just how important it is to be good in the tournament. Yeah, There are a yeah. lot of things that go into tournament performance that are completely outside of your control. Obviously, you know, years where they cancel the tournament, which has only happened once, but like that's entirely out of your control. I, I do agree. And I think most people agree that Kansas, I, I believe I looked at what the, what, like what the lines were and everything. And it equated to the odds, essentially saying that Kansas was like 60% what they expected to actually win that 2020 tournament. Um, like when they well, went back and looked at it, which is absolutely insane to think about one specific team like that being such a heavy favorite. Normally, when you look at it, like going in, you know, it's like a the 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 tournament favorite is going to be like a thirty five percent or something like that. But Kansas was that dominant that year in in twenty twenty, um, and so it's it's not outside or it's not unreasonable to assume that they would have won it in twenty twenty. We'd be looking at a three time, you know, national championship coach. Although, with how much motivation they took. You know, seeing Devon Dotson get the hat from Bill Self and kind of the, you know, all the talk about the mo the motivation for the 2020 team that they had, wanting to get those guys a championship and feeling like they were part of this championship run. You know, if they had won it in 2020, I don't know that this team would have been motivated in such the same way. Um, you know, there might have been a little bit of a lull in terms of that motivation. They might not have won it this year, but they still would have had a pretty good team. Uh, so, like, it's one of those things, like, obviously a lot of stuff changes when you change something like that, a big program potentially defining win. Um, but you know, this is again, Bill Self has been absolutely phenomenal in this conference. He's been phenomenal in general, just in all of NCAA. And I think now he will rightfully get the credit as being the best active coach in all of college basketball. 
Yeah. And you know, the luck thing, you know, it's, it's, it's my favorite sporting event in the world, but it's also my least favorite for some of the same reasons where you just need a lot of luck to win a national championship. And every champion in the history of college basketball has needed luck to win the championship. I mean, you look at this year, like, you know, the fact that they got to play Miami in the elite eight instead of Auburn. And, you know, the fact that they got to avoid North Carolina in the second round game and and got to play them in the championship instead. Um, You know, the fact that, um, you know, they, well, you know, they, they withstood a a Creighton and and Villanova onslaught from three, but a couple of other games, you know, their opponents did not shoot well from three at all. And you just, you kind of need to do that in order to, to win a national championship. And, um, after all the years where, you know, you had Joel Embiid getting hurt in 2014, you had, you know, Frank Mason and Perry Ellis both being hobbled in 2015. You had the terrible calls against Devontae Graham in 2016. Uh, you had the back-to-back bank threes against Oregon in 2017. You know, you had, I mean, going all the way back to the VCU game, they shot 9.5% from three and, you know, even like 20% from three, they probably win that game and, and, you know, have a, quote unquote, easy final four in front of them. Like, you know, for all of the bad luck that they suffered through the last, you know, 15 years or so, um, where it really seemed like they could have won multiple national championships. Um, it's not totally erased for me, I guess, but uh, a lot of it is erased after what happened last night and after the the quote unquote luck that they got over the last three weekends. So um, yeah, just a sure. really a really cathartic evening. Uh, the yell that I, I yelled out at the, at the final buzzer last night, um, scared the absolute bejesus out of my cat, but felt pretty good to, to do. And, uh, you know, something that I had been waiting to do for, for 14 years. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think my dog, I don't know if my dog was joining in on the celebration of everybody jumping up and down in my house or was getting completely terrified by all of us and thinking that something was wrong because we were, you know, jumping around and hugging each other, me and my son. This is, this is, I think, a more, more of a special one for me, um, than the one in 2008 because in 2008, you know, my oldest kid was, was, uh, oh gosh, he was four. Uh, you know, like, so like I had teenagers now in this one yeah. where we could all enjoy it together. Um, you know, just kind of given I, I'm going out as soon as, as soon as it comes out and finding the commemorative sports illustrated edition, my, my father-in-law who passed last year, that was his thing. Every single time one of my teams won one, he would go and get that and have it for me. And so I have to make sure I continue to have that go along and, and man, your cat really wants to be in the camera shot right now. But, uh, you know, so, so, you know, it's, it's like, this is one that is going to mean a lot of things and we'll talk more here on the podcast. We'll probably have people and that'll be, you know, the question that I ask every KU related guest is like, you know, what was the, the thing for you from the tournament and, and, and that moment. But, uh, let, let's, let's get out of here on this of all of the post game celebrations, all the hype videos, all of the, you know, tributes and everything. What was your favorite moment in the aftermath, whether that's right after or, you know, what you've seen come out today? I think probably uh, the the video that the the official Twitter account tweeted out of all the fans from everywhere, you know, celebrating and stuff. Uh, that's the one that probably did it. I mean, I remember uh, when I was a student in 2012 when they won that final. Well, first one beat Carolina in the Elite Eight and then beat uh, Ohio State in the Final Four. You know, celebrating and, and being on Mass Street and stuff was great, and it, it really kind of you know took me back to that and and you know to see all the people you know, all the Jayhawks from, you know, all over, um, you know, celebrating was great. And and the players too, you know, the, the former players who were in the stands, whether it be, you know, like you said, Devon Dotson with the hat and, 
And, uh, you know, but even, even guys who played for Roy, you know, Paul Pierce was there. Drew Gooden was there. I mean, those are guys who were, who were Roy's guys and, and to see the way that they have kind of embraced Bill Self and vice versa. Um, I think obviously all these elite schools probably have like the same type of deal, but it really seems like it's a, you know, it's a family and like, we're, we're all Jayhawks and stuff. So to see that kind of collective coming together in celebration was, was pretty special to see. Well, and, and, and that harkens back and, and actually that, that was the same one for me. So I'm not going to dwell on that. I mean, I did like the fact he went over and gave Devon Dotson the hat, you know, his, his hat from the national championship. Um, but kind of to that point, you know, we saw this and I think it really kind of hit home just how he treats this team and treats the program. Um, you know, back when the Morris twins were here and kind of the, some of the issues that they had to deal with, but also Thomas Robinson, you know, and when his mother, uh, or I think, I believe it was with his mother or his grandmother, or maybe both, um, you know, when he had family members that passed right before that Texas game and the way that the, the team came together and, you know, the, the mantra that they had at that point, the, the family over everything, um, you know, that is, that is something that's carried through. Like they still, you saw them breaking after the championship, you know, after the big speech and, you know, the thing that they said, it wasn't like national champions or, or anything like that. It was family. You know, this is a family. He has treated them like that. All of the players that have come before, even if they weren't his guys, he is, he has welcomed them as family. And you see that in the way that he treats them when they come back to, to Allen Fieldhouse, the way, you know, that they, they recognize former players for all of the stuff that they're doing. So I think that's the biggest thing. And, and I'm sure Kansas is not unique in any of that, but, it is one of those things where the way that it has all come together and, and like you said, the way that they did the tribute to not just the family that is there inside the program day to day, but the entire Jayhawk family of everybody that supported them, everyone that's shown them that love, everyone that has done all of that. And of course, all of us that, that are part of that Jayhawk family, it is absolutely a fantastic way to celebrate a national championship. Unfortunately, we were short on time. I could probably sit here and talk for another two or three hours about how great this was. And we'll, like I said, At we'll least. do more of this. We'll do more of this, I think, in the next few weeks as we talk about this and sprinkle some of it in as we're looking ahead to the next teams and, you know, as we kind of shift to other things. Um, because I do think this is going to have far-reaching impacts, not just even in the basketball program. I think it will help with football stuff. It'll get brought up a lot during football season. Uh, but... But that is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Fetch, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am still looking for your guys' reactions. I'm going to leave the lines open, one, because I didn't actually get any yet, but also, two, because I know it took me some time to put into words my reactions, what it meant to me. Um, so I will leave that open so you guys can go ahead and continue to send those in. Uh, and and hopefully by the end of the week, I'll have a, a podcast episode where we can talk about some of those um, as well. But uh but yeah, uh, if you guys haven't already, please go out wherever you get your podcast, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Talk Podcast. You can subscribe, get every single episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review. Five stars, nice comments. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Just let us, uh, if, if, if you can't do that, let us know what it is we can be doing better. Um, you know, we do try to bring you this podcast to get you all the informa- information you need as entertaining in a way as possible. But, you know, obviously there's, there's always stuff that we can do better. So just let us know what it is you'd like to see, whether it's comments, questions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that. You can contact me at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network of the, you know, the fantastic Big 12 Conference it covers all the different teams in there. Uh, lots of great stuff going on over there. So go to, 1012 network over on Twitter. You can get links to all the great shows. We are on the anchor platform. Again, I've left that, that uh, voicemail link out there. We also do have a Google number. You can call to leave a voicemail that way if you'd like to do it, but uh, go to anchor.fm slash rock dash shock dash podcast slash message and get us that voicemail so we can get your voice on the show here. But uh, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks to our sponsor, home field apparel. Again, make sure you head on over there. Take a look at the great national championship stuff they have. 
But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And Fetch, thanks again once more for joining me. And you, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm going to try one more time. Between two. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the Ten Twelve Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big Twelve podcasts. Check them out at Ten Twelve Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt Is Bear and at Evan A Bear. Uh, Sickum Bears. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.